type chats. Everyone got one. What's your opinion? This is the rap room. Tongues won't be bitten. Ain't no rules. Just spill it. And anybody can get it. No limit. We get to kill it. You tuning into the thrillers. And no, ain't no stopping. No. Any topic. Even the random. Big I hope that you ready. We entering in the zone soon. We on a grown shit. Welcome to the rap room. I love that shit. That's it. That's all I got to say. <laughs> A little funky little accent. <laughs> What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Hilliard Guest, and you're listening to the Screenwriters Rant Room, where we keep it street, we keep it opinionated, and we keep it what? 100. I love that. You've been Hello. practicing. I have been. Hello, fam. <laughs> what it do? What it do? So on this show, we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture, but our focus is usually screenwriting, stories, craft, shit like that. Yes. So you guys hear her voice. That's my girl, mm-hmm. Lisa Bola Kaja. The what? The one and only. Why, they, why are you the one only? Because you street nerdist? Uh, yeah, street nerdist. <laughs> why they call you street nerdist, little girl? Well, because, you know, sometimes they need to understand that people, you know, <laughs> it's like the rap song, you know, started from the bottom and now we at the top. We all here. Yes. And, uh, you know, I, I'm street and I'm nerdy. You know, I just, I'm just me. <laughs> I am just She's me. She's just a combination of street and nerdy, so you I don't want to fuck with her. That's what it is. You never know what's Okay, she'll happen. catch you. Yeah, she'll catch you. <laughs> <laughs> so, look, y'all listen to the Screenwriter's Rant Room. So, look, if you're grown, let's get it in. Buckle up. So, today, we're going to do a special episode for you guys today. We're going to do one on being Fearless. Because we got some issues okay. that we need to deal with. So let me tell you, let me tell you. All right, tell, break it down. Break it down. So I walked in this morning and uh, uh did you not just pop my <laughs> I popped my lip. Okay. Okay. <laughs> pop my tongue. Pop my tongue. <laughs> so I walked in today and I'm like, Lisa, okay, we gotta do one. We gotta go in today. Um now most people know me. I'm not somebody who gets depressed. I'm not depressed, but I'm going through like a little thing where I need to look back into my being fearlessness, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Being fearless. You know? Mm-hmm. So Lisa came up with this topic. I think it's brilliant. <clears throat> and I'm like, okay. So I'm going through a couple things. I got a bunch of projects going on. I got a bunch of possibilities happening, which we all can probably relate to. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you wake up and it's on a day when every little one of those things come back and tell you no. Mm-hmm. You know, when it looked like yesterday was a yes, mm-hmm. and then today is a no. Right. So I'm like, Lisa, we got to go in about this, mm-hmm. you know. And she said, well, let's talk about being fearless. Let's go in. Let's really have this discussion about mm-hmm. what that means to keep going, mm-hmm. even when you feel <laughs> like mm-hmm. maybe I shouldn't be doing this shit, mm-hmm. right? Now, I'm not saying that, but I'm just gesturing. Right. Um, so... Let's talk about that a little bit today. Yes, yes. Well, I think it's interesting because for me, one of the struggles I deal with, because most of the time I try to think of myself as being fearless in terms of what I do with my life compared to a lot of my friends who aren't writers. Mm-hmm. But one of my problems, and it's something that I deal with, because I do deal with depression. Sure. You know, and being a creative person, you know, most of the time we do, but I do have these moments where I just kind of curl up and I can't do anything. And it's mm-hmm. something that I've been dealing with for like years. I've gotten really good at, 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 at coping with it. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I have to get over, and I know a lot of it comes from my own perfectionism I have a serious problem with being a perfectionist and I'll be honest with you this has been crippling for me because I come from a background um, and I say this a lot on the show and I you know I joke because I you know I, I, I am black no you are not <laughs> 
<laughs> I am black on purpose <laughs> every day. I'm like the old school. I'm like the generation. They call a lot of my friends my old, old, <laughs> you old one of them, school. You one of them 69 sisters. Oh, my God. No, no. It's funny because I, I have always been like, I'm always attracted to older people. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the people that I hang around with are like old heads, like old Black Panthers and old Pan-Africanists and old, like the people who are the, like mm-hmm. the old race people, like, mm-hmm. you know, that hardcore. Because there's just something so, I don't know if it's romantic to me, that whole idea that they have this purpose in their life and they're struggling for something good. Sure. Whereas I come from a generation that we kind of benefited from that labor. Mm-hmm. And I think we got kind of complacent. Mm-hmm. But I was still around enough older people who were always putting it into my head that you got to be the best. And coming from a black background, that means having to be better than anybody else. And that's crippling because you have to understand historically, oh, yeah. in order for black people to be accepted, we had to give up a lot of cultural things mm-hmm. to be accepted. And, and basically, I hate to say it, is to act as white as possible. And one way to do that is to be what do you mean better. To act as white as possible. To act as that means that we. Well, I grew up where we could not uh, use slang in the household. Mm-hmm. Um, to this day, my mother still corrects me. I think that's that's the reason why I use a lot of slang now, mm. and I relax a it's lot of my language. Rebellion it is. Like you know what? You know what? Honestly, it is because when mm-hmm. I'm just normally talking, mm-hmm. it's that Southern Cali Black Valley mm-hmm. girl, mm-hmm. and a part of me slips into stuff. Do, I do. You do, you do I, talking questions I like do, Valley Girl. I know. I go in and out. <laughs> And I think subconsciously, it's just a rebellious act against my mother from okay. having that in, ingrained in me. Like, you have to enunciate because no one's going to take you seriously if you're mm-hmm. talking that street talk. Mm-hmm. In other words, it's respectability politics. What it comes down to is stop acting like those black people because black people are not valued. I'm just talking about my own personal baggage That's that, I, that yeah. I deal with. Mm-hmm. And because of that, one way to get over is to be better than anybody else. Mm-hmm. And that was the survival technique. Mm-hmm. If you are better than anybody mm-hmm. else, there's no way that people can deny you or, or, or tell you you can't have or do anything. Mm-hmm. But the problem with that, that perfectionism, for me, it cripples me because a lot of times I won't submit work, especially with my fiction writing. A lot mm-hmm. of times I won't submit stuff out because I don't think it's good enough. Mm-hmm. And I need to have it be the best it can be because in my mind I'm still running that tape of you got to be better than anybody for them to, to even to even sure. be equal. Mm-hmm. you got to be better. So a lot of times for a lot of black people to even be just average mm-hmm. means you have to be above average because mm-hmm. black people are not allowed to be average mm-hmm. in this country at all. No, you got to. You to, have to excel to the top. To be on par with just just mm-hmm. the most basic mm-hmm. white person, you know, for black people, you got to be just to be even even in the room. And so I deal with a lot of that because I know a lot of people who are submitting some things and getting things published. When I read it, I'm like, man, my shit was better than that. Why? <laughs> I should have just went ahead. But I keep running that that fear based mm-hmm. tape of perfectionism. If it's one thing's not right it's not so much they're going to look at you as a bad writer. They're going to look at you as a bad writer and you're black. I mean, that's the type of baggage well, that I carry. I mean, I can relate to that because I remember when I first started writing, one of the things that kept me <clears throat> from doing it for so long, and I had thought that I would do it at one point while I was an actor, you know, back in the 90s, and I was like, oh, but I can't do that. I, never, I didn't graduate from high school. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought you had to be college educated mm-hmm. and all that stuff, you know. It took me years to realize that I didn't need to, mm-hmm. but it also did the exact same thing. It crippled me in a way because I got so locked into being a writer mm-hmm. that any book that came out, that any class that came out, I went and learned it. Right. Because Paul Haggis studied here, 
<laughs> this right. person studied there. Right. You know what I mean? They all are like so super smart with all these PhDs and graduate, you know, yada, yada, yada. I'm like, I don't have that. I don't have time for that. I can't afford that. So what can I do otherwise? I got to be that good. Well, that's interesting you, know you say mean? that because coming from uh, a lot of my friends, um, lots of my friends graduated and went on to like really prestigious Ivy League. I mean, I have friends graduated from Columbia, mm-hmm. Harvard, you know, Stanford, high mm-hmm. end. And it's funny when I would go visit them because I came from San Diego State because, you know, I didn't have the money to go to those. I was quite capable of getting into those schools. I'm sure. I just did not have the money to do that. Mm-hmm. And there's just there was just no way. There was mm-hmm. nothing. Unless I was going to be pimping somebody out. <laughs> uh, you I know, told you you should have Because, you know, I, I, cause I do have the pimp mindset. I, I must confess, I do. And uh, at 17, I seriously thought, like, you know what? I can probably get some of these books. I can't run. Nothing. I can, like, come up in here. But that's just me. I digress. <laughs> But going and visiting my friends at these higher institutions of learning, you mm-hmm. would be you would be amazed about how dumb some of these people are. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of like really uh, satisfying for me. Not because mm-hmm. people are stupid, mm-hmm. but because it, it it freed me up a little bit to realize just because somebody went to some high end school, they got degrees up the wazoo. I think you're one of the people who made shit. who slapped that into me. Oh yeah, yeah. Shit fades. Mm-hmm. Look, mm-hmm. those degrees fade okay that knowledge knowledge Mm -hmm. is ongoing there are people who i admire who did not go to high end you know but they're the smartest people on the planet because Mm -hmm. they are self-taught and they're Mm -hmm. constantly learning Mm -hmm. and those people who keep up like you're saying going to those classes and getting the new books those people who got those degrees are not doing that Mm. you know because they think they know right and i'm not saying that not going to a high-end university is not cool because you know there's the prestige that goes with that Mm -hmm. but there's also from from intermingling and hanging mm-hmm. out with people and going to social events with these people, I, you know, it doesn't mean, for me personally, it don't mean nothing. You can come up with the biggest degree. I don't, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> if you're not interesting and you're boring and you're basic, mm-hmm. a degree is not going to make you any better. That degree is just a way to weed people out. You got to mm-hmm. remember, we live in a capitalist system and we need to have the sense of us and them. And those high university degrees and things like that, that's just a way to weed people out. So do not feel fear well, against people who go to these big schools. Oh, no. And I think that is partly why, <clears throat> and I kind of teach the reverse of it now, but I always tell young writers, you know, why, I think that's why I started doing the um, screenplay competitions and everything right. was to put something up under my script. Right. You know, now it's like a script that went to Sundance. Now right. it's a script that was... You know, a quarterfinalist or semifinalist at Nichols or whatever mm-hmm. the fuck. And when I started getting the feedback, yes, yes, you are good enough. Out of thousands of people, you're in the top 10. Mm-hmm. Out of thousands of people, you won first or second play. Whatever it was, I was like, hmm, wow. So, okay, I didn't go to college, but I still was able to do this. Mm-hmm. And it started helping my ego mm-hmm. to an extent. Because <clears throat> still today, I still submit every blue moon. Maybe once a year, I'll right. do one just to test myself. Right. You know, and because I've learned over the years that even though I'm a working writer now and a lot of people do know me, mm-hmm. it still makes more sense for me to have a script that won or was a finalist at Austin than it is for me to just have a script. Right. So right. every blue moon, I will submit to one of those to fun. see how I Honestly, do. Honestly, they're fun. You know what I mean? There's that excitement of sending it out yeah. there and seeing what happens. Like To me, that's like one of those ongoing. Because a lot of times people who, and I'm pretty sure there's like pros out there who are still submitting mm-hmm. to contests and stuff just to see where they play. It's just to kind of get an idea I'm where sure. they are. That, that kind of fun stuff. But I think on another note on that, on top of the fact when we talk about, you know, 
being fearless, mm-hmm. one of the other problems I have personally is, and I struggle, and I I'm, I'm think I'm getting better, but I do have a problem. There are certain stories I want to write in a screenplay that I'm hesitant to write because mm-hmm. I'm nervous about the material. And I'm nervous about mean, like how what? people like. There's a there's a script, a story I've been having for uh, I had it for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, last I'd say the last eight years, and I remember I had a producer that actually wanted to see a script mm-hmm. on that. Like there was one script I've submitted, and then I had like a couple of log lines and a synopsis, mm-hmm. and they were like, "Well, we want to see that one." I think the it was my bitches brew. I call it bitches brew after Miles <laughs> Davis. That's just the working title, mm-hmm. but it was about a female pimp. Mm-hmm. And it was dealing with the sex worker trade mm-hmm. because people have like these notions of what sex work is and what's really going on, and they really have no idea with sure. the uh, sex trafficking, um, all the stories that were coming out, especially out in Los Angeles, where people were like finding out, like, oh my God, there were like women who were enslaved in these ho- in suburban areas. Mm-hmm. They look like regular people who lived there, but mm-hmm. they were really like you know forced sex workers. Mm-hmm. And there's a difference between those who are forced to do the work and those women who choose willingly. And sure. I've always wanted to write a, a script that deals with those women who do sex work mm-hmm. uh, professionally, who choose to do it, who are faced with certain dilemmas in their life. And I'm just really curious about that world and fascinated. So we see the human side of them. Though. Yeah, and, and, and plus there's like these clubs, like literally I, I, I had booked a ticket to go and then I chickened out because <laughs> I got scared. Mm-hmm. I like I have booked there's these these sex clubs in in other countries. There's a place I want to go to in Germany, mm-hmm. which is basically <laughs> I'm just letting you know it's a special like it's like a high end place okay. where people are allowed to live out their sexual fantasies. Okay. And I wanted to go there to interview the people who who ran it because mm-hmm. I really wanted to get some type of insider information to the mindset of these people. And these are people who makes lots of money. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was doing a lot of research on bondage, S and M, just the the the. I mean, that's just how my mind works. I'm fascinated by it. I'm you are freak. That's how I you am. Freak. I mean, yes, <laughs> yes. I am not ashamed to say that, but I'm not afraid of that. But mm-hmm. I was afraid of writing that in a script, okay? Because I didn't want to be known for writing that type of material. You know, and getting and labeled that kind of, I don't know, there's just something in the fear that I have that I have to get over. And I was not fearless in that one aspect of writing the script because I was just so fascinated by the law. I remember getting a ticket and I ended up like trading, I got like an open ticket where you can trade it and go someplace else if you mm-hmm. needed to. And I remember getting emails and I remember having to have somebody help translate because the people were German and mm-hmm. I was trying to let them know that I'm a writer. And I was just, you know, I was watching documentaries on these fan- fascinating places mm-hmm. that people go and, these were, I just wanted to get into that world sure, and sure. see what it was. And then I got afraid. Yeah. And I don't know if it was because, one, I was embarrassed of the material, mm-hmm. or two, maybe subconscious, I thought, I'm going to go and I'm going to end up working there and I'm never going to come back to America. <laughs> I'm going to be Dominatrix Lisa. You know, and, so, and I'm like, live out my life. Live out my life. And just have these crazy places and adventures. And I mm-hmm. literally, I chicken and I should have gone. I, I, and to this day, I think I need to go back and 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 deal with that. But that fear of writing something I really am interested in, but mm-hmm. I think I'm just afraid of judgment on hmm. the material, you know? Because hmm. I tend to be fearless about everything else, but it's just like in that one aspect aspect of a story mm-hmm. of that I really want to tell, I can't get past that, hmm. you know? Then that that sounds like. Now, did you grow up in the church at all? Uh, thank you, Jesus. No. Okay. 
I was just wondering. But if that I was, was I was one of those types that my mo- my mother was born in a very my grandfather my grandparents were very religious. Okay. So really strong Baptist Methodist background mm-hmm. where they. So even my, though you didn't have to go to church, it still was in the house. My mother, no, my mother, we would go like on Christmas and mm-hmm. Easter, and every now and then the little Salvation Army ch- little truck would come by <laughs> and pick up us little us little low income kids and come uh-huh. take us around. And so my mother felt that. It was important to, to to be baptized and to go to church occasionally, but because of her experience with it, mm-hmm. she didn't force it on us. And I think that was a blessing in disguise mm-hmm. because I think it allowed me to be a more freer thinker. Sure. Although I grew up around a lot of people who are religious, so even though it's funny, I can be in religious environments and I can fit right but in. I'm just but I'm just curious I'm because you're talking about being fearless. Because you actually, to me, are somebody who is fearless for the most part that oh, I yeah. know of. So it just it just made me think about. Was that part of it? Because it's usually something that people who come from that background are fighting and battling of, or maybe, should I or shouldn't I? People are going to judge think, me. Oh, my God. What are they going to think? I think now that I've said it out in public, mm-hmm. I was like, I'm probably going to get okay, over you it Okay, you blasted it now. I don't bla- but I think what it is, I think, I think honestly, what it co- is the fear of what people would think of me. They would see that maybe I am that freaky. Maybe I am that weird. Because the, the subject matter I'm touching upon it's some pretty heavy Let me stuff. Ask you, what's the difference between that and all the other crazy horror sci-fi? Because sex work, people getting I killed, know, paranormal because, shit that you write. <laughs> sex work is real. Yeah. And I want. I think I want to respect the women that choose to do it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I want to be cautious and not overlook and disrespect those who are forced to do something, especially when it's coming to do it with like with children and sex mm-hmm. work. There's a whole, huge industry of that. Sure. And it's that fine line. And I don't want to come off as thinking people think that I'm OK with that. There's certain aspects um, that I'm curious about, I'm interested in, but I'm just worried that people will think that, oh, she just thinks that's okay. It, mm. it's, it's the same kind of argument. I, I think have. as long as there's somebody in your script who's a voice of reason. I do have characters that are like that. You know that. what I mean? Then yeah. it answers the question. But my, my protagonist is someone who has grown up, who grew up, whose father's a pimp, mm-hmm. who has grown up in a lifestyle, who has one upped and done better than her mm-hmm. father in the business because she has branched out into other things. Okay. And her dilemma is coming across some people who are dealing with certain aspects of the business that she's not interested in. Okay. But my fear is exploring that and not giving credence to it and making it think it's okay. It's the same, you know, it's the same, I'll put it this way. It's the same internal conversation I had with myself when I wrote my Blanco script. Okay. When I was writing about Griselda Blanco, who's a real person who did these horrible things, but I'm fascinated by her gangsterism purely from like a feminist gaze in terms mm-hmm. of this woman doing mm-hmm. this. But at the same time, I was worried about, well, I'm writing about all these horrible things, but fucking real people got killed and lives were ruined because of this woman. I don't want to glorify True, her. But, but at but, the same time, I'm like so But what's fascinated. the difference between that then Michael and the Godfather? I mean, what's... Because he's not real. I think you're putting too much on the realness. I Maybe because, I am. Because... Because and Al Pacino you're going to humanize them. Michael Corleone oh, is no sexy. Doubt. But you're going to humanize her and make her have. Remember, bad people don't think they're bad. As I know we that. all know. I know that. You preach that and all I the time. I love bad they, people. She does not think she's Which bad. Is horrible. So there's no reason you can't. Like for her love for her kids is mm-hmm. something we never see. Right. All we hear about is how she would send her kids off to go kill right. yada, yada, yada. But right. what about the love between right. them 
that made them go, I'm willing to die for my mom, I think, that we haven't seen. I think I need to make sure that when I do write the script, I'm thinking about doing it next year because I still want to interview some people, and, mm -hmm. and things have changed now with social media. Tell you, you got a TV series right there. And just dealing with that, and there's so much new information. I just want to make sure that I... Um, I'm respectful of people whose lives have been affected by it. That's mm -hmm. just my own thing, because clearly it'd be really easy for me to write that and not give a shit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, oh, well, shit happens, and this mm -hmm. is a great story. But that part of me who realizes that stories are so important, and we did an episode that talked about why do people write mm -hmm. and how stories resonate, I want to make sure that I'm not putting a certain message uh, for people to take in and think that I think that certain things are okay. I'm just purely coming at it from a writer's fascination with character. And that that part of me is just really sensitive to real world issues, and mm -hmm. I just have to get past that. Um, I mean, I eventually did write the Blanco script and got over it and yeah, did what yeah, I did. Yeah, no doubt. I just need to do the same thing and be fear, get past that fear and, and just tell the story I want to tell and fuck everybody else who wrote anything. I think you have to. I think as long as you have a character that if there's something really, really like they, they make the detective who's mm -hmm. against Blanco, for instance, right. he wants to take her down. Right. So he's the voice of the opposite. If you will. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So as long as you have somebody who represents the world. But what if I want to just tell a story and not have that character? And that's the type, I think that's what I want to write. I want to write where there's, it's Here's the world, it's just what it and is. Just, it, it is what it is. And you will okay. deal. And that's the world I want to write. And to me, that's a script that's probably going to win Sundance. <sighs> but it's that me getting over that, the responsibility. Because I come from a tradition of being responsible for other people. Yeah. And how we how things are, are, are displayed. And I just want to be respectful for the, for the people and the yeah. women who do the work. Now, okay, listeners out there, this is a really interesting. And I'm so glad you're being vulnerable about talking about I this. Am. This is it's great. Like, this is great. I'm waving my freak <laughs> because flag, and now you know. Thing. I, we started this conversation with her telling, telling her about myself being vulnerable about how, about how I feel. But actually, in talking to you about it, I'm feeling really good right now. So it's funny. Oh. Just in hearing you yeah. talk about how you're going through what you're going right. through in me trying to talk you through it is making me think about my own self. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? Yeah. You right. know what I mean? In a right. positive way. Right. Um, but listeners, this is an interesting dilemma because I think we all have done it in our own way on some script about something mm -hmm. that we were uncomfortable about talking about because people are going to think it's us. Mm -hmm. Right. <clears throat> but if you think about some of your favorite writers that you talk about, don't hold back. They give a fuck. They put it out there. You know, and, and that's why I made the comment mm -hmm. that based off of what I know, and I know your writing is fucking awesome, um, if you write the story you're talking about, mm -hmm. with fuck them, mm -hmm. despite the fact that there might be some uncomfortable shit in there. Right. I mean, look at, you like, um, we had, what's his name on the show? Um, Steven, and he was talking about he likes to write those dark, um, what's his name? What's the character, the, the, the filmmaker's name? Um, and you were like, oh, I love him too. He likes to write those dark scripts with, um, what's his name? What's his name? What's his name? So many good writers out there. I know. I know. Um, anyway, but he was naming some filmmaker that you loved mm -hmm. that writes those weird, dark movies. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and um, that person has no, he doesn't give a fuck. Right, right. Now, the movies aren't big time. Right. But he makes them, he has this little niche audience. Right. <clears throat> Everybody respects him. Right. And you're one of those people. Right, right. But you watch his movies, and there's some odd, weird mm -hmm. shit in some of those movies. Mm -hmm. And um, I say, why not today? 
I think we can handle a lot more than we thought we can handle. I think I think I <clears throat> intellectually, yeah, I know that. Sure. <laughs> Emotionally, mm-hmm. when I'm sitting on that blank page and like the script, the the bitches brew script, I have to outline, I have the synopsis, and I wrote the script halfway and I just stopped hmm. because I just I can't. This is. It's really it veering into some territory, and I'm like, ah, eh, people are gonna think it's me. And I'm like, well, Lisa, it is kind of you because mm-hmm. you, you, that is your freakishness coming out on the page, <laughs> and you just need to own it. You know, don't be ashamed of it because I'm sure there's other people out there who'd be interested in mm-hmm. it. But it's like, just getting past that. And I think it's just the, the old school respectability politics. And I think that this is an interesting one because I know a lot of a lot of the writers out there can relate to what we're talking about right now, and I think that. Here's one of the cool things, Lisa, is we both are still in the independent world mm-hmm. where we can experiment. Mm-hmm. This is the place where you do. Right. Because once you get in, you're not going to be able to write a script like that. Mm-hmm. It's not commercial enough. That's true. I, you know, and I, and I know this. It's just, it's just a script. You're just writing a script. You keep acting like the movie. You keep acting like the movie's coming out tomorrow. <laughs> That's just me visualizing. The movie's going to come out and do this. And no. I know. I'm going to do it. I am going to do you know? it. And that's a thing for all of us writers. We need to write that script that's in us. Because mm-hmm. for all you know, based on how much you're withholding and holding it back, that's the one that's going to get you in watch. <laughs> you know what I mean? You always hear that story. About that person who was like, well, I wasn't sure, and blah, yada, yada, and I let it sit for 10 years, like the um, Dallas Buyers Club, mm-hmm. you know, was a script that he just kept sitting on and working on and finishing and letting it sit or whatever, mm-hmm. and finally he got together with the, the woman writer, and they finally wrote it, mm-hmm. you know, and then boom, look at what it right. did. So, and he was uncomfortable about writing that. You know, you it's, know? it's good to hear that, because literally, it, 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 that's, that's what it is, because this character, even though her life is not like mine, her mm-hmm. thinking, in terms of... And I really just wanted to write a script that dealt with like raw sexuality and deals with people's psychological um, uses of it, especially when you're talking about bondage. It's like with a conversation I was having with a couple of friends, and we were just like joking around, like, well, you know, if you're doing the bondage world, and mm-hmm. you know, because you know, part of my research is dealing with these, these different sexual aspects. I mean, there's mm-hmm. so much sexual proclivities out there, and so many things that people are into that you wouldn't think was sexual at all, but mm-hmm. it's like subcultures within a subculture. Mm-hmm. And we were just talking about why is it that people, the stereotype is always the person who's like the most dominant in their life mm-hmm. are the ones who need to be submissive. Or the people mm-hmm. who are always submissive in their life are always the ones that end up being dominant. And I used to be like in touch, total denial he, about that. That is interesting. But to me, it is so true because it's mm-hmm. like in that sexual aspect, mm-hmm. I, I, not that I'm putting my business out there on the street but hey we're just talking (laughs) about it it's like i can be the most dominant person but Uh there's nothing sexier than a dominant partner Mm -hmm. who will talk shit to me and i'll be like all right daddy that's you know that (laughs) i can relate to that i I understand that because my partner will talk to me in a voice and i'll be like what was that you know and certain things like where i would be like no but if you hit that certain tone or Uh note or i meet or sometimes i see it in different people that Mm -hmm. i'm talking to and your mind just goes there sometimes and i'm like man i would do and I thought, oh my God, this is going to go in my script. But it was like interesting things that, and, and sexuality in film is so taboo in America. Mm-hmm. You know, we would rather watch horror movies and war movies where body parts are being blown up, mm-hmm. but God forbid a penis shows mm-hmm. up on screen. But that's American. Yeah. You know, you know. I bet, guarantee you, your movie in France or freaking Switzerland would freaking be, you know, you would make millions over the, in the box office. And just Put so maybe you there. need to garner it to that. I think that's where I'm going to have to Maybe you need to make to. a European fucking movie. Uh, you know what? I was thinking because the, the 
originally when I was thinking about writing, I really was thinking about trying to make it mainstream. And I think that's that's probably why all of this baggage is coming. Uh-huh. It's like, what is the main? They're going to mm-hmm. look at me and I'm going to be pigeonholed as that weird mm-hmm. person who writes that. But I just need to write the script. Be fearless in writing it. Yeah. And just know that there's a certain audience for a certain thing and get it out there. And who knows? It could be one of those movies where 10 years from now, you know, that would be the one that people are like, yeah, we're so glad you made that movie because it did this. But I'm always interested in, in, in darker sexuality. Mm-hmm. And I'm always interested in why people are attracted to certain things. And I'm very interested also in non-binary and non-gendered and non you know, just male and female, because there's mm-hmm. so many different levels of sexuality. It was funny because we were having a conversation on that conversation, but there was a hashtag we were talking about uh, on Twitter. On Twitter, mm-hmm. and um, I follow uh, some really fun people. Like I had this uh, sisters Hor- uh, sisters of horror and also black girl nerds, and mm-hmm. we were talking about oh how we're attracted to like you know in genre characters who we're attracted to, and we were like confessing on the mm-hmm. hashtag, and I like. After I put a couple of names out there, I was like, man, I really put some shit out there. <laughs> like, man, I am so embarrassed now. Because we're, I was saying stuff like, yeah, I would sleep with, yeah, the predator dude. Uh-huh. I'd sleep with him. That's hilarious. You know? He's sexy. <laughs> he's got body. He's got dreads. <laughs> if he keeps the mask on, we all good. And then I was talking about darkness That's from hilarious. Legend, so Tim good. Curry. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. Sexy with the horns. And we mm-hmm. were like, so what would you do with the horns? Like, who cares about the horns? Look at him. <laughs> and we were talking about Candyman and how sexy Tony Todd is That's and that hilarious. cat. Dad. So we were, like, talking about how these hard, like, I'm in love with Pinhead. Mm-hmm. Yes, I said it. Mm-hmm. I think Pinhead from Clive Barker's <laughs> Hellraiser is sexy. Sexy as fuck. Pins and leather and Mm -hmm. Be My Victim Mm -hmm. and Tony Todd with the hook and Mm -hmm. can't, oh God, when he comes up and says, Be My Victim, Mm -hmm. it's like, we would strip. (laughs) 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 He can get the business with that. But see, that ties into, (laughs) I know we're going all off y'all, but this is interesting. But that ties into what you were just saying a few minutes ago about how some of the most dominant people are the ones who like to be dominated. Right. Because it's interesting that you and, like, the group of the black girl nerds, you mm-hmm. know, you guys are all the fanboy crowd, right? So, right? Oh, we, we have our I'm man, assuming. We have our man flesh stuff on there. Okay, where we but just, that's yeah. cute. Mm-hmm. But the interesting thing is you guys did a little flip. Instead of talking about, oh, my God, Blair Underwood or Idris Elba, which I know you like, too. Oh, yeah. But you guys are talking about, okay, if I were in a movie and I could be dominated by the evil whoever... It would be Hellraiser. It would be, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's just sexy. That's interesting. It's just sexiness. Yeah. Like, it's like the weird things that you don't think. It's like one of, because uh, I know Black Girl was talking about, um, I can't remember the character's name, but it was just in Garden, Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about the bad guy, the big bad guy, the mm-hmm. one with the big chin. And mm-hmm. I can't, sorry, I can't remember his name, but um, I remember Nebula and Gamora and the other bad guy. Oh, and the bad guy from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, mm-hmm. the dude with the blue, and he put, did you see Guardians of the Galaxy yet? Oh, my child. I can't I remember his name. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. He, <laughs> he is so sexy. Like, they're both the bad guys mm-hmm. in Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, my God. We thought they were so sexy. <laughs> and it was like. So y'all can look past the monster suits we, and shit. <laughs> but here's the thing. The, what I think subconsciously for me, the monster imagery, mm-hmm. it's just a darker sexuality. It's a rawness, and it's someone who's embraced their sexuality. So when mm-hmm. I see those types, when I talk about pinhead. Now, hell no. I don't really want to sleep <laughs> with a demon coming up from hell, you know. That kind of stuff and have hooks coming out of me, but what that's that represents that 
darker. It's, I don't want to even say darker because we always say darker as a negative. It's not. It's just mm-hmm. embracing that sexuality mm-hmm. and embracing that 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 newness, that weirdness. Like that is such a turnoff for so many women. Like sure. it, I was amazed at how many women were on that hashtag. But you're, you're attracted to the confidence of it though, because they are like There's, super. It's confident. super confident, and mm-hmm. it's se- and it's even because like, it's funny because like. We're talking about Heimdall, mm-hmm. uh, Idris Elba on there. It's like making it rain on Heimdall. We talk about these mm-hmm. characters, and there's just something smoldering and sexy that's better. Like Loki, I love Loki. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, he's so sexy. And there's that, <laughs> and it's like Thor. Who can fuck about Thor? Yeah, mm-hmm. he got buffed out. He got his little blonde <laughs> do. But there's nothing quite as sexy as mm-hmm. Loki in his leather when he's talking. He just, you're just like he could say anything to me and I would do it. And if Thor said it, it just wouldn't be sexy. Mm-hmm. It'd be corny. You'd be like, get out of here. Nobody wants to mm-hmm. sleep with you. But mm-hmm. you know, it's just that that embracing of those 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 shadow sides of yourself. I guess it's just okay. it's just interesting. Well, interesting because I was thinking about um, um, being fearless. <clears throat> and I was just thinking about, I was mentioning to you before we started taping the show that I'm somebody, I don't usually get depressed. Mm-hmm. And usually it's because I work through it. Whenever I'm feeling like kind of how I was feeling earlier today, I would get, I would, we're here in my office, I would go to the computer and I would, I usually either watch right. something or I read something mm-hmm. that gets my mind off. Right. And it's usually, you're going to laugh at me. It's usually a scene or two from 30 Days of Night mm-hmm. or something, or um, or one of my favorites, which is Day of the Dead with Ving Rhames and Mackay Five. There's mm. something about that movie that just makes me smile. I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah, all the sequences are just perfect on the money. Wow. And, and so is 30 Days of I mean, on the money. And mm-hmm. it just makes me go, okay, I can do this. Mm-hmm. I can do this. You know, mm-hmm. oh, I love how he said such and such. Right. Whatever it is just makes me get into that mode. And um, I was thinking about how you were saying earlier about being better than. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I think that people always ask me, like, how is it that I write every day? And I'm like, well, even on the days when I can't write, like today would have been a day I couldn't write. Right. However, I would have listened or I would have read. Right. I don't let one of those days go by. Right. And I was thinking about something you guys said. We did an episode um, back with um, the Derek brothers, <clears throat> and they were talking about, uh, Will Derek was talking about going to the beach, which I know something I you do the all the time. All the time. And he was saying, and I was going to ask you about this. I didn't want to have him elaborate on it at the time because we were kind of moving along, but you were, he was talking about how he read something about the salt water does mm-hmm. something to your. Can you explain that a little bit? What was it? It was something. Because this might help people about getting out of their funk or whatever it is. Do you remember? I don't know. It's just something about the, the salt. Well, for me, I know the salt water for me, it, it, it kind of purifies the body. Okay. It, the smell of it, the taste of it, being the salt of the earth. For me, it's like the whole ocean water, the air. It's just something cleansing about it. Mm-hmm. And for me, um, one of my favorite um, loas are, you know, one of the, the gods, goddesses from West Africa is Yem- mm-hmm. Yemanya or Yemaye, depending on what country you come from, which is the spirit of water. And for me, water is always purifying. And for me, when I am in a funk, I like walking and having the water touch my feet. I like mm-hmm. the smell of the salt. The salt on the skin, it helps draws out toxins okay. in the skin. Mm-hmm. It, it just makes the body much cleaner and purer and more, I think it's, it, for me, psychologically, it makes me more receptive mm-hmm. to thoughts and energy. Because a lot of times my favorite thing to do is I'll put my iPod on, mm-hmm. I'll take off my shoes and I'll spend the whole day at the beach walking up and down with the water. I swim a lot too in the ocean, mm-hmm. but it's something cleansing. And 
I think what it happens is spiritually, it just opens me up to so many ideas. You'd be amazed at how many story ideas and stuff I get. Just the rhythm of my feet hitting the water, mm-hmm. smelling that salt, and having that that salty taste in my mouth. It just mm. it just makes me feel good, you know. Okay. And it makes me. Does, does, do you look out at the water and oh, just yeah. think about the possibilities? You think it's the got ways, something because, to do with it? The one thing that helps me a lot is the two. It's like this ocean has been here since the beginning of time. Okay. This mm. ocean's gonna be here after I leave. True that. This water is going to keep coming in and out. So whatever bullshit I'm dealing with right now, mm-hmm. it don't really matter to this ocean. It's, it's a matter of what I decide I'm going to do with that energy. Am I, am I going to do this shit or am I going to just fuck around? Because the ocean is going to keep coming in and out. You know what I always think about when I go to the ocean? And it's not going to think about me. <laughs> this is totally off the subject. I always think about how the water comes into the sand, into the, what do they call it? Into the, that is the beach area, right? right. right. That water in. that comes in might have been the very first time that a human ever touched it if you because it keeps right. doing this right it keeps recycling Cycling. itself right. back out right so you keep thinking about yes there's like 100 people on the beach but every time it touches their leg right it's probably a person they've never touched right it before. right you know what right. i mean i've never but i i think about stupid shit like that no i love you it know? and one of the things i always do is i always take like a, some sugar or a little piece of candy or something and mm. i always give an offering oh. and then i take the water and i actually pat it on my head Right okay. above the third eye, right above there. One is just to respect that one. My ancestors came across that water. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm one of those people, like so many black people here, who actually there's made plenty it of over. Ashes in the water, yeah, right? <laughs> many of, I'm one of the ones, the few that actually made it over, mm-hmm. and there are some who didn't. So it's kind of my way of honoring those people, and also knowing that those stories that those those old enslaved Africans who wanted to see that future, who want to see me be where I am right now. It's just a way for me to pay homage mm-hmm. and to let them know that, hey, I made it. And also there's something about the water. Water is like creativity, the water in the womb. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just something about those creative dark waters that always, it always makes me feel like I can do anything, that the possibilities are are endless and I need to be near water like I always tell people just I can live anywhere in the world but I have to be by a large body of water it it has to be if not I don't function well at all okay because I'm one of those victims who lives I'm a secret mermaid I think originally I (laughs) my mother just found me Uh on a beach somewhere and picked me up and I just grew (laughs) legs and one day I'm going to return to the water but water is healing and water to me is creative creativity okay um so since we're talking about being fearless, mm-hmm. right? Let's talk about because this this is something that both of us need to do today. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about taking chances. Okay. Okay. This which is still under the umbrella right. of being fearless. Yes. Let's talk about things that writers can do to take more chances with their career. Um, like we were we were talking with the brothers the other day about um, about going to networking and you know what I mean? All those different things. Like I've found in the last two or three years, I've really been getting involved with different committees at the writers guild mm-hmm. just to keep my face out there. You know, now when there's something going on, people hit me up going, Hillary, are you going right? Hillary, we want you to be there. Right. Matter of fact, you, because I sit in the front seat and people have a seat right there. It's already reserved for me. <laughs> <laughs> they know I'm coming. You know what I mean? But so they like, we got you one in the front. Right. Don't even worry about it. You know, right, right. but they like my presence. I'm somebody I'm not afraid in being fearless to ask a question. Right. You know, if there's something going on at, at a, at a panel, an event or whatever, I'm one of the ones who, if I have a question, mm-hmm. I'll be the first person who starts the whole question right, thing going. Right. And they like that about me because I'm very, when we have a committee meeting, I'm one of the people who has, you know, anybody have something going on? I have something going on. Right. <laughs> you know right, what I mean? Right, right, right. Um, 
So let's talk about um, taking chances for well, you. Well, one of the things I think, and I used to tell this to people all the time, um, and a lot of means I go to, like one of the things that really helped open me up and made me really to like want to take a chance, it was going to film festivals outside of L.A., away okay. from my comfort zone. Like, mm. it's very easy to go to a film festival in L.A. There's, like, mm-hmm. so many of them. But when you start going outside of different states or even other countries, mm-hmm. there's something, I don't know, I think it, it gives you a rush. And it's True. very, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know, it just makes you, I don't know, it just, it just pumps you up and energizes you to want to make film. It's something about being with other people, especially when to, like, Sundance and a couple other festivals where mm-hmm. you're meeting people from other countries who are jazz and they want to talk about film and just being in that environment, mm-hmm. it's really stimulating. I can so one of the things is people have to get over, and one of the fears is people have things being expensive. <laughs> you know, I was, I'm not going to have enough money. Mm-hmm. I had to tell people like, you need to stop putting that out there in the world. True. <laughs> the first time I went, basically, I, it's like I went in 2007, and I think that was the first year that the 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 Black House was there. I love. <laughs> Shout out to the Black House. I love them. Oh my God, that was such a great networking experience. But the idea of just like, I'm going to go. I'm not going to worry about whether how much money I have right now. Mm-hmm. I'm going to plan to go to the next whatever the thing is. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start saving up money right now. I'm okay. going to start looking at prices and flights. So I'm you're, gonna start so you're investing in your career now. You, Thank you. And basically, it was the fear of, of worrying about one and not being able to have time off. Oh, my God. Some of the things that people do is not so much money. Mm-hmm. It's also whether at your job you'll be able to have to take the time off to do it. To do it. Uh, and they're afraid to ask their bosses for that time. Sure. Or they're afraid they're going to get fired. And I just at that point, I just said, I don't care. You know, I'm going to go. Mm-hmm. But if I give them a year in advance notice, hey, I'm going to be going to the Sundance. Fi- I'm going to go to the Austin Film Festival. Mm-hmm. I'm going here and I'm going for a whole week. Mm-hmm. You give people enough notice and you start changing your behavior to save your money up. Because I'm going to be honest yeah. with you. You stay an extra hour here, here and there or thing. something. Else. The festivals aren't that expensive. Mm-hmm. They really aren't. Mm-hmm. If you, if your monkey ass wait to the last minute to get your oh, ticket yeah. and get a all room a and all that, three, all of a sudden it's like, it's really, mm-hmm. like literally when I went to Sundance in 2007, mm-hmm. um, I only spent that grand and I was there for a week. Okay. That took care of my flight. I think my flight was like 200 something. Mm-hmm. I think the rental of my share, there's like seven or eight of us that rent it like a tri-level mm-hmm. townhouse thing. Mm-hmm. What a jacuzzi. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Shuttle service right in front of the house. We just mm-hmm. walked outside, dropped us off. Right, that's all you needed. Mm-hmm. And whatever, like souvenirs and stuff. Like, like literally, the the cost of the festival itself was like maybe in housing was like seven hundred. The extra three hundred I spent, mm-hmm. food, maybe, all maybe that just shit. buying shit and mm-hmm. you know buying. Hey, who's got this DVD? Oh, let's go. Hey, let's have a party. And that mm-hmm. was the best thing I ever did. Is if you ever go to a, a, a festival, and especially if you rent. Like a house or something like that, which is a lot better than renting um, a, a hotel. I know because we, ha- you know, we have our vacation rentals and people are always oh having parties in our house. It pisses you us would go, off. We would go to the con- <laughs> no, we would go there and we would say, "Hey, why don't you guys come over and hang out?" And we would ha- we had like a little like a little dinner spread. You know, we mm-hmm. just got some food, invited some people to come over and hang out and just meet people, and it was just wonderful. Mm-hmm. But before all the years I had gone before, I had thought about going. The fear was, oh, I'm not going. It's going to be too expensive. Oh, I'm not going to be able to get the time off. 
And the year I did it, it was like, I'm fearless. I'm going. Mm -hmm. I put it out there. I'm going. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm going to do. I started looking up, started hooking up. Hey, who else is going out to, to Sundance? Start mm -hmm. going on message boards. Who's planning on going? Mm -hmm. Just happened to meet some people who were going, set it up, do it, and just did it. And mm -hmm. it was the best thing I ever did. Mm -hmm. Because I made so many connections from Sundance that sure. have lasted me till now. Um, unfortunately for me, I do a lot of traveling overseas. <laughs> so a lot of my money is spent eating and being with family. <laughs> but uh, this year I'm going to try to go out to the Austin Film Festival. Um, okay. Always wanted to go. Mm -hmm. It looks like a lot of fun. I want to go to Sundance again. And I really just want to go to a film festival and be fair and go to another country. And, and if it means going by myself, mm -hmm. I'll do it mm -hmm. in a minute because I don't want to miss out on great films and, and meeting really cool people. And here's the thing I like about going to film festivals outside of LA. People are so much more relaxed. <laughs> they are so happy to be out of California. Mm -hmm. You would be amazed. You'd be sitting there, and then you'd be amazed that you just sitting there talking to somebody and you realize, oh my God, that's so-and-so. That's actually probably, you made a really good point. Like, There's what? something about, now you and I have, you know, been in some festivals here with our projects mm -hmm. and we have judged for mm -hmm. different ones mm -hmm. with, for their screenplay competitions. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and some of the film competition. Mm -hmm. um, there is something about being here and running into a big writer or executive and having a conversation with them at a film festival than it is being in San Francisco right. and running into them when they're like kicked back and right. chill. They don't have to go to work tomorrow. Right. There's a big, you have a good point about that. Mm -hmm. There's a big difference between meeting somebody in the industry outside of town, mm -hmm. which is, <laughs> this is going to be kind of funny. Which kind of plays into, I always tell everybody, like I've been in my relationship with my partner, Scott, for 13 years next month. And people always ask me, how do you do it? And, and I always say, because number one, it's about communication, right. right? But number two is I always say, all my friends are like, oh, I'm going to Hawaii tomorrow. Oh, I'm going to, you know, I hope I meet somebody, yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, you're going to the wrong place. Mm -hmm. And they're like, what do you mean? I says, never fall in love with somebody on vacation. Mm -hmm. Because... It's the same thing. You mm -hmm. go there, you meet some agent, some lawyer, right, whatever, right. on vacation, when you're on vacation for a film festival, and they're on their best behavior. Right. They're having a good time. Right. They're just being nice. Right. You get them home, you see how they really are. <laughs> you see what I mean? So I always tell everybody, mm -hmm. go there, have fun, do your little whatever you're going to do for the weekend or a week, right. but do not go there and be like, oh my God, this is the best person I've ever met in my right. life. Because they're on vacation. Right. <laughs> you don't and know what happy. they're like. Right. 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 So I don't know how that ties into that at all, <laughs> but I just had to say that because it just always reminds me of that. Well, I just know that when um, I was there and we're like, you could just be, we were just standing in line waiting for Coco, mm -hmm. waiting in line to go to a cafe, waiting in line for something. And, and you just talk to people. And the fact that you're traveling from wherever you're coming from, mm -hmm. it actually makes you, it's almost like, it, it's like an aphrodisiac for yourself because mm -hmm. it makes you sexy not i mean sexually but sexy in a way like oh interesting mm -hmm. you flew all the way out here you know i'm not mm -hmm. saying that they think that you're somebody but, but some people do think you're somebody but, though. but but because you're serious about film that you would travel all the way out mm -hmm. here to come check out some films and be you know among different people it's just exciting yeah. there's just a different it's very energizing because i'm gonna tell you as somebody who has my own company if i was in if i was in sundance and i met some young filmmaker who came in from idaho or from wherever the fuck mm -hmm. i'd be like oh they're serious about coming here. Mm -hmm. They drove all the way here right. by themselves for 13 hours. Right. Whatever it is, I'm like, okay, this person wants it. Because I was fearful of going to like the first time going to Sundance because it's like, well, I don't have a project in Sundance. Mm -hmm. um, I got a couple of scripts that are, you know, making the rotations or what have you, mm -hmm. but I didn't really have product. And so mm -hmm. a lot of times I, that prevented me from attending certain things because sure. you feel like I got to have product to be put. I can just be showing up and hanging mm -hmm. out and because people did the work. And I'm like, 
to me, it was even more relaxing because I could focus really on what people were saying and be mm -hmm. interested. As opposed, I got this. That will come later. Yeah. But it just felt like once I got over, like, well, so what? I don't have a project right now, or you know, I'm just gonna go because I want to go see some good films. And well, let me tell you something. In talking about being fearless, right? Um, I probably have been in about 26 film festivals, mm -hmm. right, with my projects, and. The ones that I've been to, because I don't go to all of them. Because mm -hmm. what happens is you get into a film festival, it does well, and then that film festival from another place that was a representative there, or they knew somebody else. Right. You know, they all know each other, right. so they'd be like, "Hey, did you have any good films?" Oh yeah, that was just one called there. So you guys should, right. you guys should. So all of a sudden, you get a call from this company in Philadelphia, this one in Rhode Island, right. or whatever, right. and all of a sudden, your film's being shown all over the place. Right. And what I've learned is in being fearless. The people who win the audience award, let me tell you what they do. What is the secret that they do? I go, so check it uh -huh. out. <laughs> so all you filmmakers who have films in film festivals and you want to win the audience award, let me tell you what you do. And I have seen this. Every time I see the person who won the award is you'll see that person walking around throughout the whole film festival and like their film is showing tomorrow at 12 o'clock, even if it's in like a, a shorts program or whatever, <clears throat> they will be walking around every single person they meet. Hey, come see my thing. It's at 12 o'clock. Mm -hmm. It's in the shorts program one, <laughs> whatever the right, fuck. Right. They are like promoting. They got posters up more than everybody right, else. Right. All that. So you keep seeing it. Mm -hmm. Even if you don't go, you vote for them. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Right. You just can't help it because right. it's been like, like um, what do they call it? Subliminal? Yeah. Like, like in your, in your mind, Yeah. Every it has sunk in subconsciously. I went to at least 12 of the 20-something that I was in, and every person who won was not a lazy person. They weren't just mm -hmm. the person who was like, oh, well, my film's in and we won. No, they were right. out hustling. Right, You know? So just tying in what you were saying about being at Sundance and all these other places, it's kind of cool to go. So if you're not in, you should go to learn your map around. Oh, right, yeah. To learn how it all works. So mm -hmm. when you are blessed to get in, right. now you know what to do. Because once you're there, you're going to be hustling your butt off, you know, but trying to get so meetings, trying to do whatever. Right. You know, it'd be much better to go with your boys and your girls and have fun and mm -hmm. learn the ropes. Mm -hmm. you know I met I mean? a lot of wonderful actors, uh, really, really good agents, some really cool directors. Mm -hmm. And... They were like really like I remember who was it? It was a uh, oh gosh, I can't remember his name. He did a lot of he was big in music videos and he did a lot of he was starting to do a lot of films and stuff. And I remember I went to it was the Black House, one of their mm -hmm. um panels they had, and saw him a couple times at parties and then we were leaving the airport mm -hmm. and I just happened to be in line buying some gum before we got on the plane. I'm like, hey, I came to your panel, blah, blah. and he gave me his card, like, mm -hmm. hey, well, give me a call. I remember we corresponded and he had another project he was working on and doing some stuff, but it was like that easy. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're it was accessible. Just like, yeah. He was just mm -hmm. like, oh, well, hold on a minute. He says, and I was just like, well, I just wanted to say, oh, no, hold on. I'll give you my card. Let me finish mm -hmm. paying for this. And mm -hmm. I'm like, okay. You know, and I didn't have anything, but it was mm -hmm. like because I had seen him several times. Sure. Always said, hey, ran into you again, mm -hmm. huh? It's like, are you my special stalker? You know, oh, are you going to the so-and-so? Okay, right. Well, hope, oh, well, did you see that movie? I don't know. Just basic conversational, mm -hmm. not even trying to like, whoop-de-whoop, come look at my screen. It wasn't even like that at sure, all. Sure, sure. And until later, it was like, hey, how's it going? Oh, man, I really appreciate the panel you guys did. That was really awesome. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so, you know, if you guys, well, give me your car. Well, hold on. Let me give you my car. It was just that simple. And that happened like several times. Mm -hmm. And there were a couple of people there whose projects really got a lot of play because, like you said, they were hustling. I mean, there were times I was going up and down the boulevard mm -hmm. and they were 
posters everywhere. It's like, oh my God, how mm-hmm. many poster things and flyers mm-hmm. and I tell me, if you yeah. ever watch this this is a big shout out to Lena Waith and Ben um, Ben Jones over there at the Writers Guild. If you ever watch them promote Dear White People, they are fucking beasts. Mm-hmm. You wonder why the sh- it's doing well and got distribution right. and she got an HBO deal and right. all this. Them motherfuckers hustle yes. their butts off. Yes. Okay? I just went um, a couple weeks ago. Ben had a screening of a, um, a sizzle that he did for like a, like a pilot um, presentation. Mm-hmm. And soon as they started the thing, before they even started... Lena and Ben got up and went, okay, everybody, get your, get your phones out, tweet this right now. I mean, they are, like, so good at that shit. You know what I mean? But that's real. But I, had to, fear, I had to tell... There's a fearlessness to it. They're yeah. like, we don't care. Yeah, I had to tell um, um, Jennifer that. You know, when we were having one of our meetings, I was like, you need to be telling, as soon as we start, everybody needs to be tweeting that they're at the freaking OBS meeting. Mm-hmm. We need to be letting people know right. this is going on. Right. You know what I mean? And because that stuff is important, you know, you're the tweeter queen. <laughs> you know what I mean? I've been trying to people, you might need to mute the me. The more you okay? hashtag, the more you people know what's going on. You know? And I'm starting to learn that too. You're you right. know, people are starting to hit us all the time on it just because I'm using the screenwriter's rant room. And just hashtag. even with my own writing, it's just a lot of the writing or just information about writing gigs, especially mm-hmm. with the fiction and my science fiction, fantasy writing, and stuff like that. Just gigs that are open mm-hmm. and looking for stuff, Twitter. You know what I'm saying? If I wasn't on Twitter, like, you know, a lot of the stuff I've been submitting to and looking, checking out and getting published in, I didn't know about them until I was on Twitter and I was connected with those people and those people, too, because I'm I'm like those people, too, it's like, oh, but I don't want people thinking I tweet so much. Mm. It's like, I mean, there are people on there who tweet 10, 12 times a day. I'm Mm -hmm. one of those people now. Mm -hmm. But it's like, it's very easy. It's not like you have to read every single tweet. But a lot of the people that I follow are people who are in the industry, Mm -hmm. you know, especially a lot of the screenwriting people who Mm -hmm. are giving out so much cool information. Mm -hmm. Child, they putting up scripts and stuff. Somebody the other day just put up the, uh, I used to have a copy of it years ago and I was like, maybe I should try to look it up again. And someone had put up the Scarface script. And they were, I think it was the black, it might've been the blacklist. Mm -hmm. And they were just like, hey, we got the script from, uh, hey, with the notes and stuff mm-hmm. all on it, you know? And I'm like, let me download this bad boy. They don't <laughs> save me having to look for okay. stuff. And I'm like, that was just on Twitter, sure. you know? So you have to utilize uh, social media and be fearless. I, I will have to say that I am fearless when it comes down to Twitter. Although I am trying to tell myself, slow down a little bit, Lisa. You ain't got to tweet about every single little thing. <laughs> but sometimes stuff will happen, or, but I'm so mm-hmm. interested in so many different things. Mm-hmm. And because I follow so many amazing people, you can't help it. You get pumped up and excited. Mm-hmm. And somebody asks a question about a TV show, but what do you guys think about this and you mm-hmm. just compelled to respond like because you never know who's looking at that oh you know yeah, because i know for a fact because i listen to so many different shows with showrunners and like co-eps mm-hmm. and they're talking about how they are on twitter mm-hmm. you know when people respond to shit about the show they want to know what the, they are what what the pe- look, look, look. To. they are watching the hashtags for the show like the shows i watch like extant last ship all those genre shows mm-hmm. and they have they have the east coast and the west coast tweeters mm-hmm. and stuff like that and they tweet sometimes those writers are on there with that i, I know mm-hmm. that the uh the writer of extant uh i think last week's episode they mm-hmm. were like he was live tweeting with the people and it's like instant it's instant feedback. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, you just never know who's actually watching it. Because, you know, a lot of times I used to worry, like, oh, I don't want to say anything to offend them. Fuck it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I'm watching the show. This is what I think. You know, put it out there. But do not be afraid to, to utilize that because okay. jobs, uh, Since, insider information, that kind of stuff. All right. This will be the last thing we're talking about. So we're talking about being fearless. We're talking about investing in your career. We're talking about 
um, taking chances. Mm-hmm. Now let's talk about one of the most important things that is that is really something that writers don't do enough of: asking for help. <laughs> okay, because <clears throat> you hear, I I probably get, and this is no joke, five emails or Facebook messages, and I probably get another five to ten every week on LinkedIn from somebody asking me to mentor them. Mm -hmm. Now, that's good. You're asking for help. Mm -hmm. But let's talk about that for a second because I think there's certain ways to do that. Mm -hmm. And I think that there... But even somebody like the two of us, we're in the industry, we're working, we still need to ask for help sometimes. Well, I'll give you a quick example that just happened literally like yesterday. Like, so my, my clarion class of 2012, we... We just, it's open now. You can get it now if you want it. You can mm-hmm. pay whatever you want. We have an anthology we put out called The Red Volume, and it's short stories, science fiction, fantasy, mm-hmm. short stories, and horror stories. Mm-hmm. And it's actually a fundraiser for the Clarion Foundation. Okay. So we were like trying to figure out a way, like, let's get the word out. We can use social media. Mm-hmm. And then one of, one of my writer friends was like, well, one of, one of, why don't one of you hit up Neil Gaiman and see if we can get Neil Gaiman to tweet about The Red Volume? Mm-hmm. And so I, I remember sending a conversation, the emails, like, we were kind of nervous about it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, what do we do? And so, thank God, I think it was Luke. Hey, Luke Pebbler. Hi, Luke. And <laughs> so one of my Luke. clarion my <laughs> clarion comrades hit up, you know, Neil Gaiman. And the next thing you know, Neil Gaiman's like, well, look at this, the red volume. And it's like, fucking Neil well, how Gaiman. Did he, what did he say specifically? Basically, you know? need to get this book. <laughs> oh, okay. You know, check out this book of, like, you know, delicious, I think he called it delicious, delicious stories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, the red volume. And, like, he has a huge following, and he's really well-known. Mm-hmm. And he's a beast <clears throat> with his own writing. Mm-hmm. But it took that, that well, somebody should ask me. Well, maybe we can get him to just tweet. Just get him. Just get him. Even Damn if it, he just, favors just, it, right? Or just did, and then he did it, and yeah. we were like, we were like all high fiving each other, you know, in the yeah, cyberspace, yeah, yeah. like, oh my god, Neil Gaiman just tweeted <laughs> us. But it took that. Well, just ask him. You know, it's yeah. like instead of like, well, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. And there was that little nervousness, like, well, sure. who are we to ask this person? Yeah. And he did it like that. You know what I mean? So that's like a basic, you know, in real time. But it worked. Happened. And it worked. Yeah. yeah. I mean, hopefully people who are fans of his mm-hmm. will see that tweet, will hit the hashtag, will pay what you can. It's mm-hmm. called the red volume. <laughs> hashtag red volume. Where can they get it at? Where can they yeah, get it? Uh, just go on. Just um, look it up on, on Twitter, red volume, or mm-hmm. look under my thing. I'll, I usually post it up. But it's... Um, it's the red volume. Is it on Google? I mean, um, Amazon or anything? It's or? on, um, I think it's called Gumroad. Gumroad, okay. It's just if you follow me on Twitter, you, you're gonna, <laughs> I'm going to be tweeting the hell out of it for the okay. next month or so. But you can pay any amount. If you want to pay a dollar for it, okay. for 17 stories, you can mm-hmm. pay a dollar. If you want to pay 10, all the money goes towards the Clarion Foundation, which is to help science fiction fantasy writers mm-hmm. um, become better writers and awesome. get better material out into the world. Mm-hmm. But it was just that small thing like, well, somebody should ask him. Well, I don't know. We don't know him. Why ask him? <laughs> and then he did it. And it's like, God damn, I'm going to start asking for well, shit Exactly. On, you know? Because, I mean, I talk to a lot of writers. <clears throat> it's We're living in a really... It's, it's, it's the golden age for television again, mm-hmm. yet for a writer who does not have an agent or a manager, mm-hmm. it's hella hard to get an agent mm-hmm. or a manager. I know of, um, we were going to have Jenny Frankfurt on soon. She's a big manager. Um, and she talks a lot about how even her medium-level writers who are like, you know, supervising producers right. are having a hard time. They, she's repping them. They're rep, she's repping them as a manager, but she can't even get them an agent. And they have television wow. credits. 
You know, that's how difficult it's becoming right now, which is why everybody who comes out of program is getting an agent because the program is like, okay, gay. Okay, cool. I mean, the agents are like, okay, cool. The program (laughs) is doing their best to get them a mentor. Who's a showrunner on this show. Who's probably going to bring them in next season for blah, 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 blah. So that takes a little bit off of us. Whereas the supervising producer who used to be on the show has to almost start all over again. You see what I mean? So there's a reasons why it's coming from the bottom up and not from the top down, Mm -hmm. which is why I think, um, we were talking earlier before we started taping about um, the Writers Guild has the feature access program right. and they have a TV access program, mm-hmm. um, which is mainly for the feature access is pretty much for everybody, mm-hmm. which I think kind of sucks that the TV one isn't. Right. But the fi- the TV one is for like mid-level and above. Right. You know, um, and one of the biggest things that always happens, and I, I found myself over the years getting caught up in it, too, from time to time, <clears throat> which is. You always hear the story that writers and agents, writers and agents and managers are going to come to you. They will find you mm-hmm. when it's necessary. Mm-hmm. You win Austin, they're going to call you, mm-hmm. right? You, you win Slam Dance, Sundance, you know, they're going to call you. Mm-hmm. You have a script that gets in a blacklist, they're going to call you, mm-hmm. right? So your job is to try to get on one of those mm-hmm. or get to get to that place. Right. Otherwise, that's why you hear stories of some of the best writers in the world who never quite make it right. because they just think somebody's going to discover them somehow. But if you're not out there, people don't know. They so, said, they said, basically they're sitting up on the wall <clears throat> waiting for the young person <laughs> to ask them to dance. And yeah. basically you just need to get on the dance floor and do get your, your thing. Get your back up off the, the wall. wall. What? <laughs> dance. Come on. <laughs> do your thing. And like, oh, they're yeah, but if you're sitting there propped up on the wall, like they gonna, mm-hmm. I'm gonna sit up here and look all cute and pretty, and they go, no, they're not no, doing it anymore. And so what happens is, a lot of us, and I'm just gonna include myself for the segment argument. A lot of us will need an agent or a manager or anything, and we don't ask. Mm-hmm. And I was telling you earlier about one of my mentors. I was telling her about. You know, trying to trying my best to get myself on The Walking Dead, right? On the new, the spinoff, right? And I just happened to be talking to her about it. It just so happens that she knows somebody over at AMC mm-hmm. and hit hit up an email and referred me. I was like, oh shit, mm-hmm. right now. But had I not have said anything, right, I wouldn't have gotten a door open, right? You know. So the cool thing is for us to ask. Sometimes you have to ask. All people can say is no. What I don't like is, and we can talk about this for a second. What I don't like is, I was telling you, I'm hit on Facebook and all these other places asking me to mentor them or, hey, read my script or whatever, you know. Do you know? I'm, I literally get people going, hey, um, um, I just got one the other day from some kid, whoever it is, <laughs> don't even remember his name, saying, hey, um, you know, love your show, yada, yada, yada. Um, would you read my script? And if you like it, would you, would you um, pass it on to any agent or manager or whatever? And I'm going, I don't really know you. You know what I mean? Not yet. You've got to build that relationship with somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then I get ones where people are going, hey, here's my script. Can you send it to somebody else? And I'm going, I don't know you. Right. It's still the same right. scenario. I respect at least the guy said, if you like it, could you? Right. 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 But then people are going, here it is. Send it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you don't get a mentor by doing things like that. Right. You know, not saying that I'm some special mentor. Right. But that would be from anybody who right. could mentor you. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So 
tell me your thoughts on that. Well, I get. I recently just got to have a friend of mine up here who just called me and said, "Hey, this person, can you call this person because they have an idea?" And and I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe there's you know some suggestions sure. on what to do. But I'm kind of getting the impression that they want me to write the script for them. Like they just mm-hmm. have an idea. It's like, okay, we're missing some steps here. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't do everything. But I think there's there's a, there's a certain etiquette. To, to asking for things that you want because mm-hmm. you don't want to come off as an asshole and burn bridges and people sure. not like you. And I think that's where the networking part needs to come in. Mm-hmm. And I think people are not willing to network. It's kind of like what, um, uh, uh, what's his name was talking about in his book about the TV writing mm-hmm. and basically how... Shout out to Gray Jones. Hi, Gray. Uh, <laughs> there's this disconnect in terms of actually doing the work mm-hmm. itself. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's kind of like I got the script. I can just find somebody to do it for me. You need to learn how to build a relationship. Mm-hmm. That to me is the biggest mess up and, and things that people are missing right now. Because mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with like building a relationship with somebody. And hey, I saw you at this thing. And by the way, if you uh, happen to know anybody, do you know of any places I can send this? Mm-hmm. You know, and depending on what your relationship status is and what type of networking you've done with this individual, then it might be, well, hey, well, send me your script. Let me see what you have. They're missing the intricate steps. You know, they want to go like from A to Z, but just from A to B, mm-hmm. you know, and they haven't gone in the steps in between. Sure. So I think one of the things that we're, we're going to have to like <clears throat> teach ourselves to do is one, not to be afraid to ask for what we want, but to ask in the appropriate manner. Yes. Okay. That is important. We are not doing People that. People misunderstand that. We are not yes. doing that. Uh-huh. And I think that is the biggest lesson because we can talk about being fearless and, hey, just go ask anybody, but mm-hmm. then it makes you look stupid. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's the steps in between. So the biggest thing we talked about is doing the whole networking thing and not being not being creepy about it. I guess that's the word I'm looking for because mm-hmm. there's a situation I've seen people and they're just like, like years ago, we had a, a a person that would come to like some of the OBS meetings and stuff, and mm-hmm. they were just like making these demands. It's like, first of all, no one knows you. Like, come mm-hmm. participate in some things. Come, you know, do some work. Like, you know, polish your script. Do this. It was like, here's my script. Come do it. And just remember that that person just got ostracized mm-hmm. to the point where they were just asked, like, geez, don't, 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 <laughs> don't come, don't come here no more. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> like it got to that point. Mm-hmm. And it was it like, Tom Petty on okay, it's like, yeah, don't come around here no more. <laughs> Stop. Giving. No, it's like, don't. So please people <laughs> listening to this. Yes. Be fearless. Get out there, introduce yourself, but, Learn how to network and to cultivate relationships. I mean, that might be something we need to talk about in another episode on how to cultivate a mentor-mentee relationship. Yeah. But um, well, let me tell you. Yeah, I get. I told you because I do. You know, some of these pitch fest things like Sherwood Oaks and all mm-hmm. these other things, <clears throat> and there are literally they literally tell them, do not give your scripts to people. Do not do this. Do not do that. And it will end. And I can't tell you how many people will sneak up to me. Because this is what they and think. And try to hand me this an envelope with a full script inside This is what it. they think. I know they just said that. Mm-hmm. But I'm special. Yeah. I'm it's not, entitlement. I'm not like these other jokers. Uh-huh. Mine I, is good. I mm-hmm. am the one who is going to take King Arthur's sword and pull it out of that rock. <laughs> Excalibur is mm-hmm. mine. And, it is, and it's like. No. See, the problem is no. everybody hears those stories. I was just listening to a podcast the other day. I think it was Gray Jones's show. And he was interviewing this guy who, for like years, he was like an assistant on different shows. Mm-hmm. And 
I guess he was working for some big company <clears throat> and he kind of learned the way around and literally took his script and dropped it off to, you know, some big executive and put it like in the pile and walked away. Mm-hmm. And because nobody was in the office or something. Right. And sure enough, all of a sudden he gets a call to come into the office and they're like, did you write the script? Mm-hmm. Because such and such wants to see you, mm-hmm. you know, and he thinks he's in trouble and then he ended up working out. Right. Right. And so people hear those stories that you're supposed to be that fearless. Right. Right. But he was talking about how he worked the, the game. He didn't just like pop into some agency and leave his thing on a desk. Right. He was in the system working at this company right. and learned that there's that stack and that room mm-hmm. that this agent or this whoever he is mm-hmm. would go and look at whenever he was like, okay, now I don't have anything else to look at. I need to see what's in right. this pile. Right. And he would put it, he would keep moving it up so it became the one that was at the top. Right, right. You know, which right. I thought was pretty big. Right. But he figured out the system. Right. And a lot of young writers hear stories like that and think that they need to do something similar. Right. But they missed the steps he was exactly. talking about. Like you know for me, I mean? with my relationship with Pilar, her being one of my favorite mentors, mm-hmm. is the fact that one, Which I went. To, we're going to be doing her show soon. You know, mm-hmm. was going taking her glasses. Mm-hmm. Two, whenever she was going to speaking at an event, going to that event, taking my notes and being studious. And because of that, you know, she remembered my writing and work. I got invited into her private writing mm-hmm. group. Uh, which is really hard to get into. Mm -hmm. And, you know, after about like, maybe let's say about like a year or two afterwards was finally asking her, Hey, I know you do these, these script writing, you know, the conventions and Mm -hmm. stuff. Could I just come work for you? Like next time you do that, could I be your assistant? That's the way to do it. You know, because at the time I thought, well, I don't know if I'll be able to, I mean, afford, I mean, I think it was, it was, Pretty inexpensive, mm-hmm. but um, shit adds up. Though. I wanted to have <laughs> access to other things. I think this is during the time they started charging for every single little thing. Mm-hmm. But I want to be able to have access to other things, and mm-hmm. one way to do that is by being the assistant and getting that pass to be able sure. to get everywhere. But it took some time, mm-hmm. you know. And before I finally said, "Okay, I feel comfortable enough," it's like, you know what, Pilar, I really would like to go check out. You know, is there a way I can come work for you? And she said, "Well, yes." Mm-hmm. And that was the year that when I went. Um, one years I went and worked for her was the year that I got to see uh, Frank Darabont. Oh. And that's oh. when I was fearless and did the whole, walked up to him and said, I want to buy the mist from you. And he's like, you got a million dollars? I'm like, no, can I come be in? <laughs> and that's when I was not persistent yeah. and fucked that yeah. up. But that relationship with Pilar, it wasn't like I just went to one of her classes and said, hey, can you, can I just be, mm-hmm. first of all, she didn't know me from Adam. Mm-hmm. So me come up and say, hey, can I be your personal assistant person to help you when you're teaching mm-hmm. these classes with these people who are paying this money and mm-hmm. coming ready to be with her? No, it took some time for me to develop the relationship. Number sure. one, she had to know who I was, what mm-hmm. my work ethic was. Two, she had to know what my work was mm-hmm. and the screenwriting class. And one, does she like me or not? Like, can I trust this person can like represent me? Sure. You know, because I had to like add, you know, and I remember she said, well, you have to be able to do the DVD stuff because it's technical stuff and be able to do the DVD. And when I ask for the clip, you got to be right on it and Mm -hmm. do that thing. I'm like, I can do that, Mm -hmm. you know? And she said, well, come on. And I had so much fun doing that, Mm -hmm. you know, because one, I had developed a relationship Mm -hmm. and I let her see that I wasn't just some little, you know, precious snowflake flaky person. And then asking for what I wanted. I wanted to get access to everything that the and that, that had gave you happen. access to her. Exactly. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. And being with her and her knowing my work and mm-hmm. knowing me over time, over a couple of years, because sure. very easily I could have been like, okay, I've taken a couple classes. I just got in her writing group. And now I can ask her, hey, do you mind? No, it was like, let her see my work, mm-hmm. you know, hang out, get to know her so she knows me and trustworthy mm-hmm. and stuff.
up. And then I felt comfortable enough after about two years and said, I know you do these big commitments. Can I come and do that? Absolutely. Because in my mind, it was like, I need access to these other places. And because of that relationship and cultivating it and then asking for what I wanted, mm -hmm. I was able to get that. So that's, that's kind of like how you kind of should... Yeah, that. There, was, there were steps. Yeah, there were. You know? Yes, people. I didn't just go from A to Z. I had to go A, B, C, D, E, F, G and uh -huh. keep going on until I felt that she, you know, that I was worthy and that I was comfortable enough to be able to ask her for that. Mm -hmm. You know, by then it was like, Lisa, you don't need to be taking my class. And I would like she I would be in her private writing group. But every now and then she would do like a special like rewrite class at a special event somewhere. And mm -hmm. I would show up at the class and she'd be like, what are you doing here? <laughs> and I said, you just don't know. Sometimes I just need that quick pick me up. You're mm -hmm. like my crack. I need that quick <laughs> pick me up. She's like, you know, all my tricks. I said, yes, but I still want to be in the room and enjoy <laughs> that stuff. So she just teased me all the time. Like, mm -hmm. what are you doing here? Mm -hmm. And then she asked me with a bunch of other select writers, too, when she did her DVD mm -hmm. on the page. And that's when she said, hey, come be in this DVD. Mm -hmm. And so if you get the DVD, uh, if, you get the, if you get the on the page DVD by Pilaria Lizandra, <laughs> right? And if you look in there, and this, and this is another thing I did. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is how you ask what you want and then you slip stuff in there. So when I did the DVD, you'll see me in there. That's when I had just cut off my dreadlocks. I was rocking a fro with my mm -hmm. little glasses. I was just total like <laughs> nerd, nerd <laughs> look. <laughs> but then in the middle of the DVD, I made sure I asked a question and talked about my Griselda Blanco script ah. so that it was on the DVD so that anybody in the industry who mm -hmm. was looking at that DVD <laughs> would, one, remember my name because mm -hmm. it's listed on the DVD, and two, get a little mini pitch of my script. Yeah. So it was kind of like I was working this. I was layers on top of layers. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what's up, y'all. That's what's up. So today's episode, again, was about being fearless, you know, just kind of investing in your career, asking for help, you know, taking chances, you know, shit like that. And today, today was kind of a needed episode. Like I said, I was kind of in a mood today. I actually feel really good right now. Oh, good. You I'm know glad I mean? we were able to lift that. Yeah, a sometimes bit. you just kind of talk yourself through it, right? And you just feel like because when I get done, when we yeah. get done with this, I'm heading over to Venice Beach to go do my my walk. Good. I love it over Research. there. Craziness and that energy. So yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. So <clears throat> the next thing we're gonna get into before we leave is um, we're going to do the don't sleep on them segment. Mm -hmm. And I decided, I was telling her, since I was feeling the way I was feeling today, I decided we're going to read something from mine. Okay. Right? We're going to do something from you, too. We're gonna, <laughs> it's coming up. Maybe, you know what? Maybe I'll do maybe a page from the my, my Bitches Brew sex script. Okay. Sex worker script. <laughs> and just, just put it out in the world and just let it go, Lisa. <laughs> so we're going to read something from mine. Um, this, is a, this is from a short, like, kind of a suspense um, one that I did that I actually, God, I've been optioned like three times on this little short script from producers who wanted to shoot, like, a really cool suspense action film. And um, um, it's called Nine Below Zero. And um, it's about a hitman um, is forced to make a life, life or death decision when his work becomes personal. And um, very character driven, you know, trippy little short film that maybe at some point I might even direct myself. We'll see. Um, so I'll read all the, 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 the dialogue and we'll read it to page two. You see where, the, where it ends? Right, when it cut right off. There? Mm -hmm. Cool. Mm -hmm. So it's called Nine Below Zero. Here we go. Oh, just so you guys know, that would be I might not have I might not have set this up very well, but this is the "Don't Sleep on Them" segment. This is a segment we usually do when we we promote like some young writer who you know, what, cool cool writer? Yeah, brand new newbie, someone to look for in the future. Yeah. Like they've got something, and we want to make sure that you know what they got. 
Yeah, and I guess just in the, in the wake of me feeling good about myself, I was like, well, I was just scrolling through some of my scripts, and I pulled this one out today, and I was like, fuck it, let's just read something a month, you know, just so you guys see what we do. So here we go, nine below zero. Fade in, exterior, somewhere in the mountains just before dawn. Dense forest as far as the eye can see. White snow covers towering evergreens like a blanket. Voices emanate but can't clearly be heard. Clump, 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 the sound of boots cut into thick snow. Whip behind four men trenching in a strong formation. The big man in front holds a rifle tight to his waist, ready to blast anything that moves. Heath, the short Weasley man in a dark hoodie, second to the last, fights for oxygen. He clutches a shovel tightly, using it to support his weight in the snow. All I'm saying is, if this guy was trapped in a building with 50 cops surrounding him, no fucking way he got out of there. What do you do, vanish in the fucking dust? Closer, on the back of the large man in the rear, in the dark street clothing, clearly not a style you'd wear to the office, he balls his fist. Boom. Heath jerks forward, falls out of line, drops the shovel, and crashes flat on his face. The two in front halt. Heath looks up, strains. From his POV, the man in the rear stares back. This is Kane, a heavyset, scary son of a bitch. Just shut the fuck up and keep moving. It's fucking nine below zero, for Christ's sake. The two up front snort and snicker as Kane blows smoke from his stubby cigarette into the frosty air. Off Heath, pathetically dusting himself off. Exterior, the forest just after dawn. The sun appears over a large clearing. It's straight out of a movie. Santa Claus could fly by at any second. The four men group. Some holy shit looks as they take in a family of deer feeding across the ravine. On Heath, reaching into the pocket of the jacket and the pocket of the guy in front of him and slipping something into his own jacket. Kane steps to the front of the line, checks the area, and gives Heath a subtle nod that the brothers can't see. This is it, boys. Here's where we buried that cocksucker. All right. And there we go. So this, this short... Um, it, it ends up going on um, later on after this. Um, what happens is it was kind of a, all of a setup. Mm-hmm. There's a guy called The Mouth, who we're about to meet in a minute, who is like this famous hitman who nobody's ever met before. Mm-hmm. You have to pay him like secretly through different ways, but nobody ever knows how he picks up the money right. or whoever. Right. <clears throat> and um, they go up there and they think that he thinks he's going to have to kill the, 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 the other two guys who mm-hmm. are with him. Mm-hmm. But what happens is it was all a set up just to get them up there to get the mouth to come so that they can kill the mouth so that they can tell everybody that they killed them mm. so that they can get the reward right. that everybody's right. trying to get. Right. So this is the whole setup, just setting up the tension and the, the curiosity of who these guys are and what's mm-hmm. going on. Cause after this, we're about to meet the other two guys who are in the group. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted to read like the whole opening scene leading up to um, them finally getting to the place where everything's about to go down. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, I like how the writing how you've got it like set up here because mm-hmm. there's a lot of like action sounds and movement mm-hmm. in here, and I kind of get the feel, especially when you're talking about the very first lines and they talk about white snow covers towering evergreens like a blanket mm-hmm. and you hear the clump clump which is the sound that your feet would make in the snow sure. so you're setting up a lot of sensory uh, material for people who are reading this script so you're getting a feel for the environment that they're in and it kind of sets you up because when you think about dealing with heavy snow mm-hmm. lots of heavy stuff mm-hmm. that restricts a lot of movement so if anything is about to go down crazy mm-hmm. in my mind I'm thinking 
shit, if this was me and you're in here with all this stuff and you're already fighting for oxygen, mm -hmm. if anything is going to happen, it's going to be kind of difficult because yeah. you're not in the regular terrain at this moment. So it kind of gives you like a sense of like foreshadowing intention okay. on the first page. Mm -hmm. It's just really subtle in the back mm -hmm. of my mind. As a reader, I'm thinking, shit's about to go down. <laughs> well, home, it should. And home dude is already having, you know, problems breathing and stuff, mm -hmm. you know. And you're also setting up the personalities, too. You've got, like, short Weasley man in a dark hoodie. Mm -hmm. That's very clear and very sharp in terms of what he looks like. Mm -hmm. And then you've got, like, you know, the large man in the, in the rear and that kind of thing, heavy set, scary son of a bitch. So you've really got them kind of distinct. Because mm -hmm. a lot of times when you have several characters that you're meeting on the first couple of pages, sometimes you lose track when you're trying to track characters. Mm -hmm. You've got some really good descriptions of them that help me remind remind me like this is who this person is well it's funny we didn't we didn't continue reading but when we meet the next two guys reese and widow <laughs> here's how i describe them i'm just going to read it for, mm -hmm. for the sake of an argument but um it says reveal reese and widow no description needed just picture two one percent bikers on the most wanted list with rap sheets long as elephant trunks that's all you need <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> Yeah. You didn't have to describe any clothing, exactly. any physicality, like, you know, to differentiate them between each other, like, oh, well, he's got the, the red hair. The, mm -hmm. but no, it's just, you don't need no description on them. Yeah. Just know that these dudes, they trouble, mm -hmm. you know? And just by the names Reese and Widow, like Widow, you know, subconsciously I'm thinking Black Widow. Exactly. I'm thinking Widow Death, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, Reese and Widow, like, these, yeah, you're not messing with these dudes. Yeah, because what happens is we show... Heath reaches into his pocket and steals something. Mm -hmm. Well, what he stole from Widow was a black little lighter, black little black widow lighter. Mm -hmm. And we see the emblem of the black widow, right. and he lights it for Kane later on, uh -huh. and then all shit goes down. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So it's one of those things where just a bunch of little subtle things mm -hmm. are like sprinkled in. You yeah, know. you're you're putting in a lot of uh, descriptive words and things mm -hmm. that are doing a lot of work without having to put a lot of lines in there to carry yeah. that load. And, and what you're trying to describe. And you talked about the snow. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I wanted something that was like a real backdrop mm -hmm. to um, to character. I wanted to be like part of the character, mm -hmm. so to speak. You know, as mm -hmm. we go along, the snow slows them down a right. lot. When the when 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 the um, the hitman comes in and it gets into a big battle, there's blood everywhere on the, on the snow, snow. Right. You know what I mean? Like lots of little things that you see, you see across the ravine, you know, a mm -hmm. family, a deer, just lots of little things that mm -hmm. sprinkle in. And then the description you put on here and you talk about the deer, but also Santa Claus could fly at any second. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's straight out of a movie. So we've all seen those beautiful, mm -hmm. you know, scenes of the snow and mm -hmm. all of that. So just by saying that Santa Claus could fly by day minute, I don't need a lot of description about what I'm seeing. It's like, sure. oh, it's like those beautiful like Christmas scenes. Mm -hmm. It's gorgeous, family of deer. That's all I needed to yeah. put me there in that scene already. And what it was, even though this is a short film, you know, we're only on the top of page two. By the mm -hmm. time you get to that moment, it really was about setting up like and every time you see a movie they, before shit hits the fan, mm -hmm. you see something beautiful. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So it was like, wow, look at this. Dun, dun, dun. Well, those <laughs> you know to me I mean? are always, and to me, this is just a, just a side sure. note for me when I see films like that or anything. When I see really beautiful like landscapes and beautiful stuff, and mm -hmm. then really messed up stuff happens, mm -hmm. it's even more visceral because you've got like that juxtaposition of the beauty and then the horror of it. It's kind of like why one of my favorites, uh, classic favorite horror movies, when we talk about um, 
Mm. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got those beautiful, like, bucolic settings, and the, it's just beautiful, and yet mm. you've got these horrible things happening. So anytime you can use, you can juxtapose two images that don't mm. seem to go together with beauty and something with horror, those always, always, they, they just do something subconsciously to the viewers. Like, oh, God, mm -hmm. this horrible. It makes it even more horrible. The mm -hmm. fact that we got this beautiful snow in your script, and you're talking about eventually we're going to have all this blood and stuff on mm -hmm. there. It's like, oh, God, and the beauty, and oh, you know. <laughs> that hits me in the gut. But then there's that's some irony in it, though. Right, you know, right. Like that. It's, it's like, cool. that's how life really is. Like, you got this, and something messed up can happen, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. But this script did pretty good for me. It, you know, like I said, I've, I've had three different options on it from – from from companies, but the problem is, is because it takes place in the snow in the mountains. Getting that, getting getting a place that you could do that in, mm -hmm. where because there's once the mouse comes in, the mouth comes in. There's lots of gunfire and mm -hmm. you know bodies floating and shit. So it becomes a little costly. And unfortunately, the last couple of years there hasn't been any because I remember a lot of times people will film up in Big Bear mm -hmm. where uh, where I usually work. Sure. I remember for a while there at the X Files, they used to come out and film parts okay. of the forest scenes and because okay. there were times when I was like driving down to go get something. It's like I got to mm -hmm. turn around and go back because why? Uh, mm -hmm. They filming X Files up here. Mm -hmm. We had like a really bad like drought so there hasn't been any real snow mm -hmm. so most of the times they'll film stuff at like big bear because like oh it's close by and there's mm -hmm. no we ain't had no snow so i can see why yeah, we, I, I've, been, <laughs> I've been through like we we were starting to scout i mean at one point for one of the one of the films that i was going to work with one of the companies and you know just this see, never this happened yet this is the excuse to go film it at sundance <laughs> <laughs> know, make it a working networking that's vacation go to true. sundance with the snow and the skiing and then that's funny. go to the film festivals so that was um, for the Don't Sleep On Them segment. That was a little something of mine. I hope you guys enjoyed it. That hey, was can called. I, can I ask Go ahead, real sure, quick for sure. the Nine Below Zero. How many pages was this, the, the entire script? Um, nine or ten. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Yes, that's how we like them short. Yeah, I don't, I don't usually do them more than 12 yeah. if it's a short. Yeah, that, and that's something that people need to take in consideration when you're doing short films. Mm -hmm. You don't want to go over 15 minutes because it you lose the attention of the people. Mm -hmm. And people are like ADHD right now. You know, they our, our brains are going really fast, and there's a lot of material out there. So if you're thinking about doing a short script yourself, try to keep it like, you know, no more than like 10 minutes or so because – you know, anything longer, you're going to lose your audience because there's just too much material to look at. But if you got something like short, cute, tight, and really, really, really good, it does a lot better, especially in the film festivals and things like that. Well, cool. That's what's that's what's up, y'all. So I just wanted to give you guys a little something, you know, from mine, uh, one of my scripts. You know, like I said, the script did really well. You know, we'll see one day <laughs> we'll make this sucker happen. <laughs> um, maybe I'll direct it at some point because it's I'm very, very you, let's stylized. Just go, let's just go to Sundance. You know, and shoot a gorilla. We'll, scout, we'll shoot a gorilla <laughs> style. Have gunfire going and everything. You right. know, there's a couple of like celebrity actors there just have them stand there. <laughs> hey, how's it going? And we'll be like, uh, what was it? Um, what's that movie with uh, Eddie Murphy uh, and Steve Martin? Oh, uh, uh, and Steve bull, Martin. Bull, uh, oh, Bullfinger. Bull, we'll do it just like... <laughs> just like that. Hey, uh, Colin Firth, would you just stand right there for a second? And go. Girl, you are silly. That's all I'm going to say. You straight up crazy. <laughs> so, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Where can they find you at, Lisa, Lisa, Coach? Uh, I am on Twitter. Don't follow me. <laughs> Don't follow me. <laughs> and I'm your host, Hilliard Guest. And you guys can hit me up at screenwritersrantroom at gmail.com. Hit me on Twitter at ScreenwritersRR or Hilliard Guess um, on Twitter, as we like to say, Twitter. 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 
So thank you guys again. Hope you enjoyed the episode. And we will catch you guys next week. Keep it street. Keep it opinionated. And keep it what? 100. Peace, y'all. Ciao. Everyone got one, what's your opinion? This is the rare room, tongues won't be bitten Ain't no rules, just spill it and anybody can get it No limit, we get to kill it, you tuning into the thrillers And no, ain't no stopping, no. any topic, even the random is random. I hope that you ready, we entering in the zone soon We on a grown shit, welcome to the rare room, room. Ah.